Beer with Buffy is a retro-analytical love roast of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. If you'd like to support our show financially, you can find us on patreon.com slash beerwithbuffy. Don't forget to review us on iTunes if you like what you hear. I was told you were coming. The big bad is back. This time... I'm not getting your clearance to come into the initiative. I've been thinking about the world. Jeez. I don't like vampires. I'll take a stand and see what I can it's fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Uh, the ice cream bar is this way. Bottle opener dysfunction? No, it worked just fine, thank you. <laughs> Welcome to Beer with Buffy. I'm Rex. I'm Josh. And today we are reviewing Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 4, Episode 22... Restless. Restless! We're here. We're in the process of completing another season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Boy, have I been restless to record this episode. <laughs> life is life is chaotic, to say the least. Yeah. 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 I'm just gonna... Yeah, open all your beers, you fucking alky. <laughs> So it is neither dark nor a stormy night tonight. Wait, it is pretty dark. It is pretty dark. It's fairly dark. In my grandma's garage, but the fucking mosquitoes are out in force. And that's scary enough in and of itself, really. Yeah, they might carry you off, Josh. That too. (laughs) It's more the mosquito eaters that I'm afraid of that. Uh, I mean, as if things weren't bad enough, having a normal pandemic, we also have to worry about the fucking mosquito-borne diseases. (laughs) And being carried off. Hey, at least I would find out where all the cats go. (laughs) Oh, man. If I survive the trip. Probably not. (laughs) You're the food they they consume while they travel. I am the airline stroopwaffle. Yes. That is correct. (laughs) (laughs) I want that on a (laughs) t-shirt. Oh, I wish you were an airline stroopwaffle. Careful what you wish for. <laughs> anyway, season fucking finale. Woo! Yeah. Motherfucker, yeah. So I don't know if we were particularly explicit about it last episode or any other episodes, but because of all the pandemic fuckery and also we were kind of burning out a little bit anyway, our goal from here on out once we kind of settle in again is to be releasing episodes bi-weekly instead yep. of weekly releases. The unfortunate truth here, though, is we have no way to estimate how long it will take before we can get into regular uploads. We're we're hitting a lot of turbulence here besides the pandemic. Real life is slapping us in the dicks and tickling yep. our balls and not in the good way. Hopefully soon we'll be back to, to doing regular beer with Buffy. Definitely. We're going to do the best we can to keep it bi-weekly. But I'm starting a new job, and uh, Rex is having to move again. So between those two things alone, yeah, turbulence, like I said. Anyway, another big fantastic announcement that I think you're all going to really appreciate. This marks the end of Season 4. And next season, instead of beginning Season 5 of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, we're going to start Season 1 of Ale with Angel. Yep. 
Now, we're not changing the name of the podcast or anything, really. It's still going to be BeerWithBuffy.com. It's going to be a spinoff. Yeah, we're, we're still going to keep the same social media platform names and all that. Uh, but we will be basically doing Ale with Angel. Yeah, so don't hold us to it, but tentatively the plan is we're going to do all of Season 1, and then when we're done with Season 1... We will go back to Buffy, and from there we will either do all of season five, or we'll start alternating an episode of Buffy and then an episode of Angel with each release. Yep. That's what you can kind of sort of expect from us over the next few months. Yeah. Good times. Very exciting. Very exciting. Yes, it is. But hey, I think we have a voicemail. I think we have technically three voicemails. (laughs) It's that time, everybody, for... River Crystal Sam's messages. After these messages, we'll be sued. (laughs) And also right back. If they want to sue us over that, they can bite me. Right. Um, So just after episode 420, River Crystal Sam left us a couple of messages just before our big fat lockdown silence. Yep. So we're going to cover uh, those two first. We're just going to treat it as one. But because she loves to run over on her time so much, <laughs> we have a three-minute time limit. Uh, so we're going to chop those down into bite sizes for you and then tackle the nom, next nom, one nom, after nom, that. Glub, <laughs> <laughs> glub. No, they're bite sizes. You have to nom bites. Yes. You glub drinks. But alligators also have a very large bite size, and that reference uh, yeah. is about an alligator from Ace Ventura 2. So I repeat, glub, glub. Anyway, here are the messages. Water tastes good. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I really have to stop referencing Ace Ventura. Yeah. It's so outdated. I'm not sorry. It did not age well. Here's River Crystal Sam's first message. Beep. Hi, Rex. Hi, Josh. It's River Crystal Sam. I don't know what the fuck you're going to add to my name now, but... Um, I think I've gotten to the point where I can actually tell you to fuck apart. Um, happy late birthday, Rex. Buffy social, 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 something other. Buffy social democraticism. Um, I'm drunk. Anyway, um, there's, there's something about, there was something about the last podcast. You guys said something about somebody being naked. So here's a tidbit. Uh, Boreanis used to, do this prank where he'd just show up naked to try to unnerve people and shit. Um, I totally agree. Josh's, Josh's accents are getting really, really good, especially Giles. Um, so I guess I believe, I agree with Rex as well. Josh, <laughs> Giles is also very, very sexy in my older age and he is so very zaddy material. Uh, Josh, you said something. I don't even know how it got to this point, but you were talking about Mufasa. And you were doing the, the, the thing and you were saying Shenzi's voice wrong. It's definitely not Shenzi, it's Shenzi. And also if you could just go, Mufasa, ugh, um, that'd be great. Beep! Okay, so I totally wasn't done yet. I only got two more points to make. Um, mom kinks. Um, the mom kink shaming. Um, don't worry, Josh. I'm not going to go into flowers in the attic territory. So, yeah, that's about where I am with with you. And also, I'm at, obviously at the beginning of Yoko Factor. 
it's one of my favorite fucking episodes because it's Spike being super intuitive about all the character relationships. But my my final word of advice, even though you've already done it, is yeah, don't fuck it up. <laughs> Bye, guys. Stay healthy. Beep. So, you only now can tell us apart, huh? <laughs> yeah, we only introduce ourselves at the beginning of literally every episode, <laughs> with the maybe possible exception of the very first episode, which, by the way, we fixed before we ever released. Yeah. So. <laughs> like, I don't think we sound anything alike, so. We definitely have a lot of similar vocal mannerisms because we spend way too much time around each other. Yeah, that'll happen. But other than that, I don't think we sound that alike. Similar cadence, but I, I edit the shit out of us so that you don't hear all of our ums and buts and stutters. Also, my cadence is way worse than yours. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Not many of you would know this. In fact, hopefully none of you, because that's how much I have to edit us. Anyway, also, happy birthday, Rex. When the yeah. hell was your birthday? Uh, March 18th, right before lockdown happened. Oh, uh, that's right. Like, well, kind of right around when lockdown happened. Technically, lockdown happened right before my birthday, but like no one took it seriously for the first couple of weeks. Oh, lockdown, yeah. Yeah. Did we do anything for your birthday? I forget. Yeah, uh, we got very drunk. Oh, that was one of our whiskey nights. Yeah. We don't talk about those. <laughs> That was the night Rachel choked you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I said we don't talk about those. <laughs> I can leave that in. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Nobody knows who that is. She doesn't uh, listen to this. No, God, no. Um, I don't well, she might. You never know. If any, if any of you heard that, he said that was the night Rachel choked me. <laughs> yeah. And no, it wasn't a sex thing. Not for me. No, anyway. it really wasn't. <laughs> it was our friend who was way too drunk. Enough about that. So uh, just as I was thinking during your message, River Crystal Sam, I was like, wow, she is definitely sufficiently drunk. Thank you so much for following yeah. proper Beer with Buffy voicemail protocol. And then you were like, by the way, I'm really drunk. Yeah. Well, we noticed. Yeah, we could tell. <laughs> <laughs> Takes one to know one. Yeah. <laughs> no, but really. <laughs> um, so Naked Boreanis. I heard that he would take his shirt off all the time on set. That's also what I heard. I don't know about... If you're talking full frontal nudity, that is a one-way street to the fucking sex offender list. I don't care if you're in but Hollywood. But also, it's like a thing that only a movie star could possibly remotely get away with. Right? Yeah, seriously, though. Um, thank you. I love being flattered about my accents. He does. Yeah. He goes on and on and on and on and on <laughs> I, I never shut up. <laughs> Do you want to hear a secret? Oh, God. Moving on. <laughs> All right. Mufasa. <laughs> Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. <laughs> You're welcome. You do that quite well, actually. Shenzai or Shenzi? I don't fucking know. I think she said Shenzi. Uh, this is us caring approximately as much as you care about the difference between me and Rex. Yeah. <laughs> so, flowers in the attic territory. See, I'm glad we're on the same page. That's all I meant, is I'm, I'm not kink-shaming mothers or things involving mothers. Just incest, mainly. <laughs> and I mean, there are... 
There is incest that I would not kink shame. Like, I saw this movie one time depicting a French brother and sister that were all sexy together. And, uh, I mean, okay, it was kind of hot. I'm going to say it. Um, I guess it's the, when you put a generation gap in there and when you take away consent, either of those things and it gets gross fast. Um, Or having children. Don't bring any fucking children into this world. What what two consenting adults want to do to each other? I just have issues with people bringing children into this world. (laughs) Right. Stop it. Yeah. Just stop it. Have you seen this world? Yeah. If well, I mean, I didn't choose to be born, but you know, <laughs> neither did my mother or my father or any of their ancestors ever. I mean, no one, no one chooses to be born. Exactly. We're all just kind of roped into it against our will, right? <laughs> but we can choose whether or not to give birth most of the time. So exercise extreme discretion. That's all we're saying. And uh, okay, so. That concludes the first set of River Crystal yep. Sam's messages, and she left us another one fresh off the line after we did episode 421, yeah. and here it is. Beep! Holy fuck, you guys are back. <laughs> so, I, I I gotta confess, seeing a podcast pop up again, um, I really felt like Dawn when she walked in on Willow and Tara getting back together. So, and she's all like, oh my God, just keep doing what you're doing. So that's kind of where I'm at. But um, then I remembered that that was like right before Tara gets shot by Warren. So FYI, you guys can make out all you want, but nobody's allowed to get shot by Warren either. So just, yeah. I, I too suffer with intermittent insomnia. It sucks balls. I find that Trazodone and um, listening to LeVar Burton read helps. Yeah, fucking Jordy has a podcast. I know y'all like Star Trek. The the Mr. Robot thing, I hadn't heard of it, so thanks for the, the show tip. Now I'm going to watch it and learn how to try to get rid of everybody's student loans. So, also, I would totally watch Spike get throated by Forrest any fucking day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and as far as, as, as this episode, yes, it does wrap up nicely. And no, I always forget that it's not the season finale, but you got to respect the cheese, motherfucker. Glad to have you guys. Beep. Well, thank you, River Crystal Sam. We're happy to be back, too. So I'm a little confused that you felt like Dawn walking in on Willow and Tara. That means that you're at least somewhat comparing Rex and I's relationship to Tara and Willow's relationship uh, we don't take it to the sexy place. No. We we have not, nor will we ever do that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I don't find Josh the least bit attractive. Right back at you, buddy. That's our favorite thing about each other. Yes. <laughs> really. <laughs> you disgust me. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but... yeah. 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 It's it's a fun thing thing to be able to say to somebody and not get punched. (laughs) I can agree with that. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want either either of us to be shot either. Uh, She didn't either, to be fair. Right. So we appreciate that. Yeah. 
No shooting. Wonderful sentiment. Um, the only thing I have left to say is uh, LeVar Burton's podcast. I actually have already listened to this before you mentioned it. When it first came out, I listened to an episode of it. And then I, for some reason, stopped listening to it. And you just reminded me that it's a thing that exists again. And thank you. Right? Well, I just want to say thank you so much for your empathy regarding intermittent insomnia. It definitely blows ball sex. There was a lot more than just insomnia going on for me at the time. But also, um, get LeVar Burton the fuck over here and he can read me to sleep all day and all night. Um, and I will take it to the sexy place. LeVar Burton. Like, just out of respect... Not really out of any kind of sexual you know, attraction. No, I think I'm going to have to take the, the stance of Troy on Community, where he adored LeVar Burton, but he never wanted to meet LeVar Burton. <laughs> he wanted to admire him from afar and get a signed photo. Mm -hmm. I think I would struggle with speaking coherent words to LeVar Burton. Yeah, that's okay, though. And then they... <laughs> He just sat there watching him eat lunch. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> just imagine if your hero <laughs> showed up and wanted to spend legitimate time with you. That's about what it would be like. I think I'd need clean pants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would take a minute for your brain to get over being starstruck. Unquestionably. So you want to see Spike getting throated by Forrest. <laughs> well, you did in the episode. You dirty bitch. <laughs> and last I got is, yes, you do have to respect the cheese. More on that in a moment. <laughs> More on that pending. <laughs> yes. This concludes River Crystal Sam's messages. Now, we do have one more quick segment. I just want to do a quick shout out to all of our Patreon patron supporters. Thank you so much to Ollie from the Heart. Alexandria Ware von Brunt, Andy Burgess, Carol Jude, Carrie Phillips, C in quotes heaps, Father DeFinistrato, Kelly McAdams, Kfro Gnome, and Shubipathic, y'all complete me. We couldn't do this show without you, and your support literally is very important. <laughs> Thank you so very, very much. In the same vein, we're also going to read another couple of reviews from our iTunes page. Our second most recent review that I have not read on here is from Despair and Distress on April 20th, 2020. Title is, I'll Have a Beer Too. Awesome show on Buffy with funny as hell hosts and hilarious commentary. I never really watched Buffy, but I was able to follow along with them on the show and really loved hearing their passion for talking about the show mixed with their banter. I love listening to the hilarious voicemails as well. Don't stop this show. It's definitely worth listening to. Hot damn, I couldn't agree more, Despair and Distress. Thank you very much for that five-star review. By the way, I killed the bug. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you very much. It is buggy as hell in here right now, guys. Hot and live from my grandma's garage. So for our next review... <laughs> oh my. Oh my. This fills me with such good, happy feelings. This review, everybody, is not just the best review that we've <sighs> ever gotten... This might be the best review that anybody's ever gotten. I'm, I'm just going to read it and more on that in a moment. Yeah. So, uh, DeFinistrato on June 6, 2020, I'm assuming this is also our Patreon supporter, yes, Father DeFinistrato, says in his title, These guys pod like stevedores. 
I, period, love, period, these, period, guys, period. Rex and Josh purvey a heady but well-balanced brew of astute <laughs> cultural criticism and woke feels with a formidable and highly inappropriate 8.2% humor by volume <laughs> HPV, which is fortunately not transmissible by podcast. The result is a bracing spike-forward draft without that nasty academic aftertaste of so many other buff casts. Beer with Buffy also boasts a far more queer-positive worldview than I would have expected from a couple seemingly cishet Midwestern exennial males. And they don't kink shame. Much. They do mispronounce gif and fundamentally misunderstand the mechanics and purpose of flossing, but hell, nobody's perfect. Sure, they make with the funny, I hear you cry, but are these boys endearing or just obnoxious? To which I must respond... Why not both? Why not? <laughs> Defenestrato, you fucking Michelangelo. My only qualm is we do not mispronounce GIF. <laughs> <laughs> it's pronounced GIF. G-I-F. GIF. I couldn't possibly <laughs> agree more. Yeah. It's not peanut butter. Thank you very much. <laughs> and also, I don't really understand what there is to... Uh, misunderstand about the mechanics and purpose of flossing but you know what i'm just going to take your word for it yeah i don't i don't remember that episode well <laughs> well we we were referencing episode two i believe i, think I remember he, I, I remember what we were re talking about i just don't remember what we had said <laughs> yeah let us know because we're a little confused about that yeah what don't we understand about flossing <laughs> do tell I mean, if I'm not doing it right, this is something I want to know. Yeah. Giggity. <laughs> <laughs> so my favorite part of uh, my other favorite part about that review is it's written as if it is a review of a beer. Yeah. That's the clincher, everybody. What was it? Hilarity by volume or 8.2% humor by volume. Yes. Yeah. Humor by volume. Oh, that's going to stick with me forever. No, but it's an amazing review and I loved it. And thank you. All right, we are way, way behind schedule, and I think it's time for a mom synopsis. We're not that far behind schedule. Joshua, we're running late again, and it's your fault. <laughs> I think you mean your fault. <laughs> what are you doing, Joshua? Oh, just some deep sleep meditation. I see. Are the theater anxiety dreams coming back? <laughs> Mom, you have no idea. Fantasizing about lesbian threesomes? Well, that escalated quickly. Mm -hmm. What about the cheese? I told you never to talk to me about the cheese. Why aren't you living in your wall? Let's just say the mice were getting a little too friendly. What does that even mean? I don't know. This is your dream, Joshua. Ah! Ah! Now hurry up and fight yourself. Otherwise, this dream won't be arable on primetime television and won't strike a chord with pseudo-philosophical wannabe intellectual coffee shop nerds. I take offense to this relatable content. <laughs> <laughs> so on today's episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer... The Scooby gang falls asleep immediately while trying to watch movies after their exhausting battle with Adam, wherein they used a primeval spell to conjure primal powers 
of the Slayer in order to give a whole new meaning to the term teamwork. But not without dire consequences of being haunted in their sleep and threatened with Freddy Krueger-style real-life danger. Luckily, Buffy has her wits about her and knows just how to deal with the single-minded, misanthropic, ancient ancestral sister of hers. Speaking of sisters, how do you feel about foreshadowing? Because <laughs> there's a lot of it. Oh, yeah. Ladies, gentlemen, spiny-headed little creatures. As soon as the sun goes down, down, down. Cold open. No, not a cold open, actually. Oh, yeah. Opening credits. That's the whole cold open right there. No cold open. Yeah, there is no cold open. Excellent. Opening credits. Buffy's mom's house. Yeah, where Riley has to go. They had to, to make sure he appeared a little bit in this episode, I guess. Yes, he assures Buffy that his debriefing will be just fine and that they definitely won't be making him disappear or pin anything on him and that everybody's testifying that he's like... The only reason they're alive, man. Yeah. And that all they will surely require of him in return for an honorable discharge is his silence on the matter. Sounds like something they'd tell somebody just before they make somebody disappear and then pin a bunch of shit on them. Doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Just saying. And then right out of the gate, Willow gives me a quote of the day. It's like you're blackmailing the government <laughs> in a patriotic way. <laughs> oh, man. The glare he gave her. <laughs> yeah. If looks could kill. Like, it's not really that great of a line, but the delivery and response to it was fucking fantastic. Yeah, it was It was cut together. It always has good composition. Yeah. Yeah. So Joyce makes a catty comment implying butthurtness about Buffy not introducing Riley to her sooner. Buffy deflects with cat-like ninjutsu dexterity <laughs> of a daughter who grew up enduring a lifetime of emotional trauma and abuse. Because she ushers Riley out and is like, oh, so nice to finally meet you. And she turns to Buffy and she says, did you notice how pointedly I said finally? <laughs> no. And Buffy just, no, turns, walks away. <laughs> yes. Well played, Buffy Summers. Well played. And the Scoobies are going to settle in for a nice long movie night. They're too amped up from the previous events. And yeah, Apocalypse Now is really what you want to watch right. after something like you, nobody ever wants to watch Apocalypse Now. OK, that movie is awful. I don't recall. I Like, I know I've seen it. <laughs> right. But that's I don't how, remember. Anything. That's how good it was. It's so long and drawn out and just drab. So depressing. No wonder Xander likes it. <laughs> right. <laughs> like the scene with, uh, you know, spoiler alert, the scene with him and Snyder was very much mimicking the entire feel of Apocalypse Now. Right. Very right. just slow and drawn out, languishing and depressing. But yeah, they are they are the kind of tired where they don't know they're tired. And as soon as they stop moving, they're all fucking unconscious. Out like less. I I hit this wall all the time. <laughs> Like, oh, I'm fine, because insomnia, you know? Uh-huh. And go for a very long time. Oh, I'm fine. I'm still so wired. I don't think I'm going to be able to sleep. The moment I fucking stop moving, I fall asleep. Right. And so Joyce declined to be a part of this. She was all, she at least knew she was tired, and she's like, no, nah, I'm going right. to go upstairs and go to bed. Gracefully declines to be a part of it, because A, she's tired. B, she apparently has an iota of social grace, 
and uh, to understand when she's not a part of a group and to be fucking okay with that. Yes. And let her daughter live an autonomous adult life without being an overbearing monarch settled firmly in her colon, spreading its tendrils throughout her lower intestine. I sense an underlining meaning to the things you were saying there, Josh. Uh, no. (laughs) I had a friend that wanted me to say that for them. (laughs) (laughs) That was really good. (laughs) So Xander, of course, seems to believe that Apocalypse Now is the gay romp feel-good movie of the whatever year it happened. (laughs) No, Xander, it's not. (laughs) As I mentioned earlier, I completely disagree. And so does everybody else in the Scooby gang. Yep. Because they're not idiots. Um, But Xander's excited about his pile of videos. Oh, boy, I remember renting piles of videos. It was so fun. It was awesome. I fucking loved it. But they didn't make it past the first FBI warning of whatever VHS he sticks in. I suspect fuckery. (laughs) and fuckery we get yes indeed fuckery cut to willow's brain yeah the camera zooms in on willow so we know we're in willow's brain that is correct we go into a scene with tara laying in bed on her stomach bare shouldered we can only see where the camera is only framing her face and her shoulders uh but she's definitely not wearing anything that we can tell right and she's concerned about their kitten not having revealed its name to them yet. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, it's it's a dream. I get that. It's going to be a little weird. Oh, boy. <laughs> that doesn't even scratch the surface yet. Um. Oh, I did want to say, fuck taking notes on this episode. Dear God, I almost messaged you in the middle <laughs> of it. I was like, God damn, dude. Like, I couldn't even, I didn't have time to even react to half the shit. I just, like, I got to keep up with all the shit going on. Yeah, we can't ever complain about a normal episode ever again. (laughs) God, no. This this whole episode was like taking notes for that one scene where Buffy and Faith are making the bed, and I hated that. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, they're talking about the cat, but they're kind of alluding to something else. Apparently, Willow has a drama class that she's got to go to, and she's, like, drawing notes on Tara's back. Yeah, they pull back to reveal that um, this thing that she's been painting this whole time is actually Tara's back. And the way they set up the shots, they had us believing that Willow was drawing or painting on paper or a canvas, and that Willow was looking at her from somewhere else in the room. But it's actually, like, exactly the opposite. Willow's... Hovering over Tara's back. And I think she was writing Greek. Yeah, I um, I said glyphs, but, you know, some sort of foreign language. Greek or Latin. I'm not sure which, but that's what it looked like to me. So Willow doesn't want to leave because it's very bright outside. As she opens the curtains to see a vast sandy desert where there is clearly something creepy moving around. Uh, not to mention the kitten has gone slow-mo. Yeah. Also, um, there's a couple lines here that about Willow not knowing the truth of Tara and some little tidbits of foreshadowing of Tara's backstory. I think what you're referring to is the line where Tara says, they will find out, you know, about you. And Willow says, I don't have time to think about that. You know, I have all this homework to finish. So it's it's centered around 
them finding out something about Willow. Right. But you could definitely take what Tara is saying as uh, foreshadowing, talking about the situation around Tara and her family, which you may not remember. There's fuckery going on there. Okay. Which we learn about that in the fifth season. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Also, there's a lot of hints of Willow's feelings of, I don't want to say shame. Shame isn't the right word, but concern for how other people will respond to her being gay. I think there's definitely a lot of that. I I think she has more than just that mixed in with her insecurities, but this is very much displaying how insecure she is in her subconscious in general. And I think a large part of that is her coming out of the closet. But also, as we see in a moment, she feels like an imposter being not as geeky as she used to be. Yeah. Or at least not in the way that she presents herself. Fear me. He's so cute. You didn't sense a hyena energy at all, did you? Because hyena possession is just unpleasant. Run, flee, maybe skedaddle. So from there, we cut to apparently they're back in high school all of a, all of a sudden. And Oz is there. Hey, Oz. Kind of cool they got him back for just the episode to be able to appear in the dream. It is. They well, they brought in a good collection of guests, yeah. of, of former stars on the show. Yeah, fantastic. Because we get Snyder, we get Harmony. It's good times. This but, yeah. episode really is the gay romp of whatever year it was. Yes. <laughs> So Xander's talking to Oz and is talking about Willow and Tara doing spells. And basically, it's just a euphemism for fucking. Part of it. And I don't, it doesn't start out as a euphemism for fucking, but... Retroactively, it's a euphemism for fucking. <laughs> well, so they were, they were inquisitive. They were like, hey, you're doing spells with Tara? And honestly, I felt like it was... So at this point, we know that there's some sort of ominous thing in the background. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, I feel like some of the characters in the dreams are going to be invasive characters yeah, that are definitely. seeking information, perhaps. And I thought that was maybe what Oz and Xander at this moment were representing, because it reminded me of that episode of Rick and Morty, where Rick and Morty are stuck in this simulation that the aliens right. stuck them in. And they're just trying to get this recipe for dark matter out of Rick the whole time. Yeah. They keep trying to impose as people that Rick knows to try and get this information out of him. And I thought it was kind of something sort of like that. I, I can definitely see how you how it reads that way. Except an analog dream instead of a digital right. simulation. So anyway, the thing you were referring to was when Xander's like, <laughs> yeah, I didn't get the quote. But he basically openly, openly admits that he tugs one out to the thought of Willow and Tara. Yeah. Casting spells. It's like something along the lines of... Sometimes I think about Tara and Willow casting spells, and and then I I cast a spell by myself. (laughs) I'm like, oh, Jesus. Really? (laughs) Oh, I kind of wish that that was a line that was actually said to Oz when they were awake, so that we could have seen (laughs) like a legitimate Oz reaction to such a line. Yeah, that would have been priceless. And I mean, well, you're not alone, Xander, but you're still a creep. Right. Um, like, I can't believe they gave him that line in a dream. 
In Willow's dream, though? Ah, uh, good point. <laughs> this, Yeah, this is how Willow sees Xander, yeah. not necessarily how Xander really is. Okay, good point. Yeah. So we cut to the theater where Willow is late, and oh yeah. boy, did she miss out <laughs> on that first five minutes of class where they rehearsed costumes and set built an entire production of Death of a Salesman with a cowboy played by Riley because he showed up on time. Yeah. Yeah. I've never seen Death of a Salesman. It seems to me that this is not a very good, accurate depiction of Death of a Salesman. This is better than Death of a Salesman. (laughs) Death of a Salesman is more boring than Apocalypse Now. (laughs) Death of a Salesman is the Apocalypse Now of theater. (laughs) And I think they knew it when they picked both of those titles. Well, just the the title, Death of a Salesman, sounds boring. Well, okay, I've never seen, um, to be fair, I've never seen the live production of Death of a Salesman. I've only seen the movie with Dustin Hoffman. And even though I was watching it in high school, I think it's the most bored I have ever been (laughs) in a high school class where I was watching a movie. Normally, movie time in high school was like the greatest thing. Right? The greatest thing. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty much everyone, everyone is fucking in this production. Harmony's here and still a vampire, which cracked me up. Oh, right? (laughs) So, yeah. Because apparently Giles is the director. Yeah, Buffy shows up and she's like, Willow, your costume is perfect. Nobody's going to know the truth, you know, about you. (laughs) She's. (laughs) This is the perfect representation of an anxiety dream. And especially it about really is especially about theater anxiety dreams. We can get back to that in a moment. <laughs> now, so you're saying you've had this dream? I've not had. I basically have had this dream. I'm surprised that Willow would have this dream without having ever been in a show. But this is real shit. I have had a recurring dream for like 15 years about. It's always like I can't get my costume on and I can hear the monitors and hear that my scene is coming up and oh shit and I have to run out without pants on. Or it's like a reunion show and they called everybody on short notice and we're just going straight into the performance. And I'm like, well, I haven't done this show for years. (laughs) And I don't remember any of my lines and I get out on stage and I'm just winging it. Or, and they put me in a role that I didn't originally play. <laughs> and they're like, oh, we did, we forgot to pull your costume. You're going to have to run back and get it. And I go back into the mausoleum and I'm you know, back there still trying to pull my costume pieces or ones that work while the play is happening. And I'm like, shit, I'm going to be late. So, yeah, you've had this exact dream. This exact <laughs> dream. But Giles <laughs> is fucking amazing <laughs> he really is um because so willow's understandably very confused about this drama class not having any you know class about drama portion to it <laughs> and i'm probably gonna cut this down to highlights but i got giles's whole speech because it's fucking epic it, it's fantastic it's like, all right everyone pay attention in just a few moments that curtain is going to open to our very first production now everyone that willow's ever met is out in that audience including all of us (laughs) that's the best (laughs) stay in character remember your lines and energy 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 especially in the musical numbers there's no musical numbers in death of a salesman it's a straight play now acting is not about behaving it's about hiding the audience wants to find you 
it's when Harmony starts like snapping at his yeah. neck and he's just annoyed. <laughs> like, Stop that. Like she's just an annoying <laughs> child. <laughs> uh, anyway, the audience wants to find you, strip you naked, and eat you alive, so hide. <laughs> so Harmony, stop that. Now, costumes, sets, um, the, the things that you, uh, you know, you, uh, you, you hold them, you touch them, use them. Uh, Props? No. Riley says, props? Yes! <laughs> it's all about subterfuge. Harmony, that's very annoying. Now go on, get out there, lie like dogs, and have a wonderful time. Now if we can stay in focus, keep our heads, and if Willow can just stop stepping on everyone's cues, I know that this will be the best production of Death of a Salesman we've ever done. Stop it, Harmony. Good luck, everyone. Break a leg. I fucking love that last little grind. And if Willow can just stop fucking up, that'd be great. <laughs> Huh. Uh, Harmony in this scene was fucking fantastic. Oh, she was. <laughs> um, so this is where we see the cheese man for the first time. Yeah. Don't ever forget the cheese man. Yeah, they're all laid out all nice and neat. You know, I've I've never had a props person lay out the cheese that nicely, frankly. Yeah. That man deserves to get paid more. <laughs> we should figure out what kind of deal this is. I mean, is it a gathering, a shindig, or a hootenanny? Whole gathering is three mellow song stylings. Shindig dip. Less mellow song stylings, perhaps a large amount of malt beverage. And hoot nanny. What's well, chock full of hoot, just a little bit of nanny. So Willow starts wandering through this maze of curtains. Uh, it runs into Tara. She tells Tara that she suspects that something is following her. Tara's like, well, yeah. And there's this theme ongoing throughout all of the dreams that pops up here. Tara is concerned that Willow doesn't understand yet. Yep. It's like, what's there to understand? It's like, what? What am I supposed to understand? And Willow's just like, ah, but, you know, it's theater class. Why are we doing a play? And it's like, ah, you're taking it too literally, Willow. You, so for starters, you don't yeah. understand that you're in a dream. Yep. Um, but then that's what cues her into ask, is something following me? And Tara gives the most ominous, yes. Yeah. I have ever seen. And then disappears. And then we get the fake, priceless, priceless death of a salesman scene. Because <laughs> there's no cowboy in death of a salesman. No. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, I, I hear, I hear, and I'm uh, seeking a man, a salesman. He's basically Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> it was... I, I'm, I can't even do these scenes justice. Yeah. Just watch the episode Seriously. and remind yourself how amazing this shit really is. <laughs> and just give them a pat on the back for giving quite possibly the best dream depiction I have ever seen. It's really up there. It yes. It really is. And In pure chaos, weird, just deep-rootedness. It was the second fake Death of a Salesman scene with Buffy <laughs> that really did it for me because first off we hadn't said Buffy is dressed like a cast member of Chicago yes and she is talking like a cast member of Chicago now did you recognize her as a cast member from Chicago or did you read that somewhere no I recognize like I I love Chicago okay I didn't realize no dude cellophane is like one of my favorite fucking musical songs. It's a good number. Yeah. Go anyway, on. Anyway, yeah. And she's talking like a character from Chicago, but it's so fucking good. 
I don't even have to do the dramatic reading Buffy voice for this scene. No. She basically does it for me. <laughs> yes. But I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> so Buffy. So you wrote down all her lines? So Buffy says, I just copy and paste, bro. <laughs> Buffy says, what else could I expect from a bunch of low rent, no account hoodlums like you? Hoodlums, yes. I mean you and your friends, your whole sex. Throw them in the sea for all I care. Throw them in and wait for the bubbles. Men with your groping and spitting and all groin. No brain. Three billion of you passing around the same worn out urge. Men with your sails. <laughs> Just in... Fucking harmonies in the background, crying. The whole scene. This is like... <laughs> I want to see this play. <laughs> this oh, is formula man. for the most purposefully worst theater that could exist. Yeah. It's so bad on purpose. <laughs> I love it. And um, then Willow gets attacked again. And suddenly Buffy is no longer on stage, but yeah. saving Willow and telling her to take her clothes off. Not, not quite. They walk through the curtains and then all of a sudden they're back in the high school in a classroom. And they, the classroom's empty. They walk to the front of the class and she's basically talking about Willow still being in costume and like you have to take that off. Yeah. And so Willow's off camera and... Buffy reaches off camera and like pulls her clothes off. And this is one of those moments that really captures how things transition in dreams. Yeah. Very loose connections between things. Because she comes in saying, stay low. What did it look like? And Willow's like, I don't know. I, I don't know what's after me. Well, you must have done something. And goes from that to talking about her clothes and how it's a costume. And you have to take off that costume. Yep. And then uh, she steps back. From pulling the clothes off Willow. And when the camera turns, the classroom is filled with fucking students. And Buffy takes a seat. Camera turns and we see Willow back in like season one. Super, super nerdy drab dressed Willow. Uber dorky dress. And it made me realize just like how much she has changed as a character. She's come a long way. Yeah. And she feels very self-conscious about this. Yes. Which is brilliant writing, honestly. Extremely. I mean, I remember them talking about her audition and how she was the only one that came in and didn't immediately do an Urkel-style impression oh, of a nerd. God. With, like, suspenders and glasses. And then look, and look how nasally and nerdy I am. <laughs> Because nerds aren't really like that. Right. It's just a stereotype. Um, and she was the only one that came in and did an actual, like, awkward, true to life. Yeah, awkward and shy. Reading, yes. And then all of a sudden Willow gets attacked again. She does. <laughs> Much to the apathy of the room. Yeah. Man, that's just extra painful. Like, she was already so self-conscious about being up there, and she's being heckled by all of her friends. Yeah. It's only her friends heckling her, and it looks like there's something going on between Oz and Tara. That's extra fucked up. 
when yeah. an X and a current and you get thinking about that. Oh, man. So much insecurity going on that I relate to, you know? But yeah, that and that leads us to her getting choked. And then we cut back to the room where she is like gasping for air in her sleep. And then we transition over to Xander's brain. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. My God, we're 54 minutes in and... Nothing sounds more daunting than the words <laughs> Xander's brain. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Xander wakes in the same shot that we see Willow gasping. Yep. And they train and we see him watching Apocalypse Now. Thankfully, Giles thinks it's overrated. And fucking thank you, because it was definitely awful and long and boring, and I'm so glad that Giles agrees. Yeah. Buffy's like, oh, would you like some corn? And Xander's like, yes, is it is it butter flavored? And she says, no, it's new car smell. And he's like, oh, yum. <laughs> and then looks I at... I can see that conversation happening in real life with them is the funny oh, yeah. part. Xander looks at Willow and she's gasping for air. And he's like, what's up with her? And Buffy says, oh, she's just a big faker. And this is how we know it's definitely Xander's dream and not reality. Yeah. So Xander has to pee. Buffy offers assistance. And Xander declines. Again, definitely a dream. Yeah. <laughs> on both accounts she would never offer and he would never decline right well he might now yeah but it's not because he doesn't want to say yes yeah it's because he's smarter than that and they say young people don't learn anything in high school nowadays but um i've learned to be afraid so what was the uh, story about that alligator oh and then then we get the depiction that is truly unquestionably Xander's dream. <laughs> oh, he God. goes upstairs and he runs into Joyce. Who Joyce is, is Joyce is looking particularly Sigourney Weaver in this scene. Right. I, yeah, that exact same dress from Ghostbusters. <laughs> right. <laughs> but Xander is not yet the keymaster. Nope. <laughs> she sure is acting like she wants him to be. Yeah. But he really has to pee. This was one thing that really laid in the I, the dream concept for me when he gets upstairs. You know, he was just downstairs with the Scooby gang. Yeah. And she's like, oh, they left hours ago. Yeah. And he just accepts it as fact. Yeah. And, and he's that, like, oh, I should probably catch up with them then. Because that's how shit works in dreams. Yep. God, they do such, it's such so a good. good fucking job. It's really well done. And Xander can't, like, go with her. He, he needs to go to the bathroom and... When you have to use the bathroom in a dream, that takes over your dream. Yes. So <laughs> he walks into the bathroom. He uh, he unzips his pants. He's about ready to pee, and he looks over, and we see that he's in the fucking initiative. There's a bunch of soldiers and scientists watching him, <laughs> and he's just like, uh, I I'm going to go find another bathroom. <laughs> So again, this is totally real shit. Not to get gross here, but I'm going to get gross here. Because I have bathroom anxiety dreams all the fucking time. And I in these dreams, I can never find a private place to go in my dream. Or else I end up peeing like in a closet or on the carpet. In the dream, not in real life. I fucking hope so. <laughs> so I'll, I'll inevitably end up in this large, sprawling building like a school or an office complex where I finally find a bathroom 
and it's all these wacky triangular stalls <laughs> where none of the toilets are flushed and none of the doors oh latch God. properly. Oh, man. And most of them are only half height. <laughs> And there's windows into offices and hallways <laughs> on every wall. That sounds like hell. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, there's just no way. And and every time I'm like, okay, this one's kind of sort of out of view of all of that shit. The second I sit down or, you know, start to pee, somebody else walks in. <laughs> Have I ever told you about the worst bathroom I ever saw? No. This bathroom was one of those sorts of bathrooms that they built well after the fact. So there was a sink. It was almost like two rooms with a, a fucking archway cut between the two rooms. And this, there was the sink in one half, and then there was a stall in the other room, right? Okay. And in between them was the urinal. Hmm. The urinal, though, was attached to a protrusion on the wall. So the sink is like right here along the wall and then you look over and you see wall and the urinal is like a foot away from the wall jutting out into the middle jutting of out the room. into the room Jesus so like if you were standing at the sink and there was, and there's no dividers if you're standing at the sink and someone is using the urinal and you turn and look at them you have direct line of sight to their junk oh god almighty <laughs> I imagine nobody ever used that fucking urinal. Anyway, fun digression here. Yeah, so uh, back to Xander. Dreamscape. Uh, he goes from that from the bathroom to his basement. Yeah, the room across the hall is his basement bedroom, where the doorknob up the stairs rattles violently. Yeah, as creepy music plays. Xander's like, I didn't order any vampires. (laughs) Takes a pause, and he's like, that's not the way out. And I'm like, good call, Xander. Good call. You go the other way. Yeah. And he goes the other way, and then... (laughs) Sorry. This scene is just too good. This scene is excellent. He, He comes out to a park where Giles and Spike are both wearing... The brown suit that Giles wore a lot in the first season uh-huh. of Buffy. Very Watcher-esque. Um, and Spike is wearing a copy of that suit. And they're on the swings together. And Buffy is sitting in the sandbox. Mm-hmm. And Xander walks up. And Spike all happily is like, Giles is training me to be a Watcher. He says, I've got the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and Giles is like, yes. And Spike is like a son to me. And I'm like, Wow. more proof that this is a dream all right but again looking at all of this through the lens of this is xander's subconscious impressions of other people xander's line in response to that because giles says spike is like a son to me giles says spike's like a son to me xander's response is that's good i was into that for a while but i got other stuff going on That right there, that line to me says Xander's view is that he wanted to like follow Giles and like be 
that. Yes. But he no longer feels that way. Partially. And then when he says that, he looks across the way and sees a ice cream truck. Yes. And himself in the ice cream truck. I, I think this is all, this all bears subtext of Xander wanting to grow up, but not necessarily knowing how. Yeah. And showing us that one of his coping mechanisms is infantilizing the people around him. Yeah. Because everybody around, even Giles kind of in this scene, is very childlike. Well, he's, he's playing on the swings first Playing off. on That's the swings pretty... with Spike. Exactly. Yeah. And then we see Xander over at the ice cream truck handing out ice cream to actual children. Yeah. So I, I couldn't quite pinpoint what the symbolism is with that, but I feel like it's related. But also there's a sense of him feeling like he doesn't know what he's doing with himself. Yes, he's he's very confused and displaced and going through a heavy, awkward period of change in his life. But there's there's so much more than that. Um, oh, there's, there's so much more in this one scene. But before that even, so Buffy's sitting there playing in the sand like a little kid yep. in a sandbox. And when he says, I've got other stuff going on. Gotta be moving forward, gotta be, he says. Yeah, something with the moving forward. Buffy's like, like a shark. He says, like a shark with feet and much less fins. Spike says, and on land. And Giles is like, very good. So patronizingly. And so I think Xander sees Spike being slowly absorbed into the group. And in his own way is getting this childlike new start to life. And kind of sees that he's thriving in a way that he wished he had. Yeah. But even though even though we haven't really gotten that far with Spike, but I think Xander senses that it's coming. Yeah, I think that's definitely... Xander, we have seen time and time again, Xander is way more on the ball than anybody, including himself, gives him credit for. He's a very intuitive character, and I think I think this whole dream really shows us the inner workings of somebody with nice guy syndrome. Yeah. How they have these kind of perverted and not just in a sexual way views of the people around them. And that shit is difficult to navigate. It doesn't excuse it in any way. Right. But that motherfucker is dealing with some shit. Yeah. And that alone deserves some breathing room is all I'm saying. Yeah. It's a, I never even read it that way. Just watching it. I will always be here for you. And you've got Mr. Giles and your friends. Believe me, there's nothing to be afraid of. So um, he's, he's worried about Buffy in this big brotherly way because he's like, um, are you sure you want to play there? It's a pretty big sandbox. And she's like, I'm okay. It's not coming for me yet. <laughs> Episode foreshadowing. <laughs> and chills. <laughs> and he's like, I just mean you can't protect yourself from some stuff. She's like, I'm way ahead of you, big brother. And the look on his face when he says, brother. And I think this moment really clinches his relationship with Buffy for me. Because he's always got this lingering worry about her in the background but knows that he can't really do anything about wanting to take care of her. There is not a moment in the entire dream that Buffy is sexualized. You're absolutely right about that. And that 
like that to me says that Xander is finally growing past that truly. And I think like, he has been for a while. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And we've seen men. We've mentioned that many, many times where he's he's growing past that. But like the the look at where where his sexualization of the female cast comes. Uh, obviously, there's banter between him and Anya, mm-hmm. but the sexualization of Willow and Tara is solely because they're lesbians. Not necessarily. But mostly. A lot of it. And the sexualization of Joyce is just, I mean, for fuck's sake, that is a fantasy that most teenage boys have if they they have a friend who has a hot mom. Oedipus complex. Yes. And also, Buffy's mom has got it going on. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this moment where he sees himself as Buffy's brother and her as his sister, um, I think is quite possibly the deepest, most intimate feeling he may have ever had. Yeah. And without sex. And that's, it's portrayed as such a shameful thing, especially back in the 90s, to be considered like a big brother or a little brother. Yeah. Or in that your friend zone. I love you like a brother kind of thing. And I love that they've portrayed this as, look at this deep, meaningful connection. And he's completely shed all of this sexual desire that he had for her because that just wasn't who they were meant to be together. Yeah, exactly. But he's still got this infantilization thing going on and but we're we're about to work past that. So so the the little bit here in front of the swings ends uh but right before that we get this great great little throwaway line from Giles says go on put your back into it a watcher scoffs at gravity (laughs) and they're really fucking like hardcore swinging yeah spike was he was (laughs) as high as you can physically get a swing to go i think giles was holding back and i was like well he's 20 years older at least yeah right (laughs) (laughs) like i can't imagine that i could swing like that anymore i used to when i was younger when i was a kid yeah i haven't been on a swing in ages god i i actually did it uh, within the last like year or so I was on a swing and <laughs> it's so much more unnerving as an adult <laughs> right you're like man that's a hell of a fall I could break a hip and I just think of all the times <laughs> as a kid when I jumped off the swings yeah oh man all the time constantly <laughs> Rufio 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 oh that is so dangerous <laughs> Oh, but it's a skateboard <laughs> roller coaster. <laughs> no, but that's Robin Williams's line. I know. Oh, that is so dangerous. <laughs> exactly. And I didn't get it when I was younger, but now I'm like, that's great. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Uh, then we are all of a sudden, the camera more focuses on Xander in the ice cream truck. Xander's consciousness flips over to the Xander in the ice cream truck. And I've actually had that kind of thing happen in a dream. And it's uh. freaky to see it so well portrayed. Uh-huh. Um, and he steps up to the driver's seat. Yep. And Anya's in the passenger seat. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that the steering wheel was on the wrong side? Yes. <laughs> I did. And that's weird to me. I think they did that on purpose because dreams don't always get that shit right. Right. 
And so Anya's immediately inquiring if he knows. Which, she's like, do you know where you're going? And he's like, what? The look on his face. And I'm like, well, that's the most dreaded of all questions. That escalated <laughs> quickly. She doesn't wait for an answer. She's like, I think I want to get back into vengeance. And he's like, no, you can't do that. That's full of vengeance. As a hobby. Vengeance. She wants to do it as a hobby. Vengeance is bad, okay? <laughs> and then suddenly Willow and Tara are behind him. Yeah. In, in the back of the truck, being all sexy-like together. Yeah, and they specifically ask Xander to join them. So he definitely does not disapprove of Willow and Tara having sexy, sexy makeout time in the back of the truck. No. To which they promptly invite him to join. And delusional fantasy aside, one can scarcely blame him for <laughs> accepting the invitation. Right. Which Anya is surprisingly cool about. And is comfortable driving by virtue of wild gesticulation alone. Now, like, I don't know why they added that little line in here, but it is so Anya. It's great. I'm glad they did. I don't even care why. So he looks back, but they're like, how do you feel about this? And then they cut back to Xander's face and we get a solid 12 seconds or oh, you timed it of just Xander's face oh, man. while we hear Willow and Tara making out whom we have not seen any on-screen kisses from yeah. yet and i think that is partially why they did this this way i honestly think they specifically made the choice to not show it on screen because Xander hasn't seen it yet okay he has not actually seen them make out i'm more firmly on the stance that they're saving putting it on screen for the audience. Right. Well, that but too. Also, but. Xander hasn't actually seen it, but he's got a pretty good imagination, I'm sure. Yeah. Anyway, no, it's timestamp 1923 to 1935. Just <laughs> Xander's face and kissing noises. It was amazing. His expression is fantastic in that. It doesn't even, doesn't even budge, and it's perfect. Yeah. He nails this moment. Frankly, it's ludicrous to have these interlocking bodies and not interlock. Putrefying diseases. It'll make you blind and insane, but it won't kill you. Light a bunch of candles and have sex near them. This is how I like it. Please remove your clothing now. So then he walks to the back of the, the van and ends up back in his fucking basement. And as the back of the truck transitions into a tiny crawl space full of knickknacks and random shit with weird stuff written on the walls, he finally pushes a cooler out of the way and jumps right back into his basement bedroom where the doorknob continues to rattle. And as he's climbing through the back of the truck, I realize this was really the point where I realized that this may well be the absolutely most brilliant recreation of a dream sequence since fucking Salvador Dali first accidentally melted a clock on his kitchen stove and said, bye, Jehovah, I fucking got it. Did Salvador Dali actually melt a clock on his no, stove? No, he didn't even have electricity. He's I just a famous so. painter with the melted clocks. Okay. But I'm just saying. I just, I, I wasn't <laughs> sure if you were referencing something that I was unaware of. <laughs> you know, I hope he melted a clock on a stove. I really hope he did. <laughs> But I don't think that happened. Like, especially the crawl, the crawling, the like, I'm doing this thing. And then it, it so effortlessly transitions into doing something else. And you can tell the character is perfectly fine with this transition. And this makes perfect sense in the moment. Exactly. 
And there's always this weird, like, claustrophobia to dreams. Oh, God, yeah. That I get as well. And that really rang true in this part. And then, so he's back in the basement. And I love the symbolism of he keeps ending up back in the fucking basement. He just can't get out of that fucking <laughs> basement. And again, God, I could not relate harder. Yep. And then uh, something's again trying to get into the basement. Yep. And then the cheese man brings the most important message of the day. <laughs> These will not protect you. No. These very well laid out slices of cheese on this serving style plates. They will not protect you, Rex. No. <laughs> That's truly where I think you're wrong, cheese man. For a man with cheese in his name, I think you're doing cheese a serious injustice. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Cheese won't protect you. It's cheese. It's more importantly, it's sliced cheese. Like a brick of cheese might you might be able to bludgeon someone with it. You could really bruise somebody a little yeah. bit with a brick of cheese. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> Especially good hard cheese, yeah. And then you'd have something to eat afterwards. And it would be delicious. It would so, be. I mean, come on. The stinkier it is, the more delicious it is. And loaded with danger. So Xander leaves the basement. <laughs> and he's back at school. He finds Giles and he's like, Giles, what's going on? And Giles is like, oh, here, I will explain it to you. And then starts speaking French. Just as he's about to give explicit life-dependent instructions. <laughs> Man, I fucking hate it when they go French dubbed. That happened to me just the other day at the grocery store, just before I was escorted out by all of my ex-girlfriends into a courtroom and put on trial for all of my insecurities and annoying habits. It was the exact same thing. All I wanted was some macaroni and cheese. There's a bald man standing there saying, this is not macaroni. <laughs> so Anya comes in. She's also speaking French. Yep. Xander's freaking out because he can't understand Giles and he can't understand Anya. The lighting is very green. It was effective. I don't know why. Um, a bunch of people kind of crowd around. They pick Xander up. And carry him off. And then as they carry him off, they cut to Xander being superimposed into this apocalypse now scene from the beginning of yep. the episode. And now there's this disembodied voice in the darkness that is speeching him to death. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, speeching <laughs> him to death. I walked by your guidance counselor's office one time. A bunch of you were sitting there waiting to be shepherded. I remember it smelled like dead flowers, like decay, and then it hit me. The hope of our nation's future is a bunch of mulch. And then Odo ran in, and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> You know what else you need to grow things besides mulch, Quark? Oh, Odo, is it you as a liquid? <laughs> You're damn right, you little troll. <laughs> I didn't think we'd get that again. <laughs> But no, I love Xander's reply to uh, Snyder's quip is, you know, I never got the chance to tell you how glad I was you were eaten by a snake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, you know, when you think about it, you really never do get to tell dead people no. how glad you are that they're dead. <laughs> I would hope that you don't want to, but when right. the occasion arises, you're kind of fucked. Yeah, you're like, man, they'll never know how much I was happy they're dead. Well, shit. <laughs> so, so there's this long, dramatic, languishing moment of yeah. Snyder patting water onto his balls. He's super cryptic, too. Yeah, his head is all sweaty and glisteny. And I'm just like, your hands aren't wet enough. You're not really doing anything up there. What are you doing? You need more water than that. <laughs> but anyway, blah, blah, blah. Xander's trying to meet up with Tara, Willow, and possibly Buffy's mom? Yeah. Joyce, rather? He didn't say Joyce. He said Buffy's mom. And then he's like, oh, I have a cramp. And he just stands up and walks off. We transition to Xander at Giles' place, and it's kind of creepy because he open the door to Giles' apartment opens, and Xander sees uh, Buffy. I think it was Buffy, Tara, and Giles standing over Willow, mm-hmm. who's having trouble breathing. Yep, and they just are very non bothered by it. Yeah, they're just. Casually troubleshooting it. Buffy's like, well, I can fight anything, right? Maybe I should slap her. <laughs> I don't think that's going to fix this. No, but I really don't think that that's how that works. So they're not paying attention to Xander at all. And then we he runs through this long, winding, trippy scene that I think might have all been one long shot. I'm not sure. I think it was. It must have been an absolute nightmare to build the set for this scene. Which eventually, uh, once again, winds up back in Xander's basement bedroom. Yep. He visits the school, he visits Buffy's dorm, and then ends up back in his basement. Yeah. I'm quite sure that a girl with the talents and abilities of Buffy will land on her feet. In fact, I noticed as I came in this morning that a hot dog on a stick is hiring. It will look so cute in that hat. And then we see his father for the first time yeah as the rattling of the door he goes to the foot of the stairs to inspect and the door flies open and his father comes out and you know classic abusive father nonsense yeah yeah your mother's crying her guts out and this is the last straw and you're never gonna amount to anything or some shit and then he rips out xander's heart with his bare hand yeah you know Apparently Xander wasn't using it. And then right, and then morphs into the tribal demon thingy's face briefly. Cut back to real life Xander in the living room where Xander now struggles in his sleep. Yep. And pan over to Giles just before a commercial break. And now we're in Giles's head. Oh boy. And we I didn't know fuck, I'm mad at myself for not noticing where they were during the scene, but they it opens Giles' dream opens on him, like, hypnotizing Buffy. It looked like a generic mansion. It could have been Angel's Mansion with better lighting. To me, it felt like they were trying to recreate the library, or at least a feeling of first season. Okay. And because he's, like, hypnotizing her, the whole tone I got from this short little moment was the idea that as a watcher, he was, like, kind of trying to brainwash her. 
Hmm. And the watch, the, like that's how the watchers operate. Yeah. And that that's what I got from this, the symbolism of this fucking watch. And then her reaction, I think, was where he fell in love with her as a father figure. Yeah. Does with a daughter figure. Exactly. Obviously not in a pervy way. And then we cut quickly to him with his girlfriend Olivia and Buffy with pigtails and overalls acting very much like a child. Yeah, and they're training, but it's like a fair. God, this is such a fucking well-written dream sequence. Creepy <laughs> county <laughs> fair in a cemetery. <laughs> the fucking vampire game. I fucking love it. Yeah, and it <laughs> it. And it's got this dream style that doubles as a training excursion. You already said that kind yeah. of. Um, and so Giles has got the infantilizing thing going on, but it's just Buffy. And also he's in a position where that's appropriate. Yeah. He sees her as a daughter. For him to see her as somebody much younger than yeah. him because she is. But she wants to play this game where there's a, va- a vampire dummy. And he's like, I'm a vampire. <laughs> Bounce. It's like a blow-up doll vampire. And she has these fucking yellow-orange balls to throw at him, and they're staking him. Oh, it's so funny. She misses much. the first one, and then she gets him. All she has to do is hit it with the ball once, and it yeah. goes down. And, oh, you staked me. <laughs> <laughs> and she looks back at Giles like this. Ex- she gives him the same excited puppy look that Xander did last episode yep. from the elevator. <laughs> from the elevator shaft. Yeah, totally. And he's like, well, I don't have any treats for you, Buffy. And, but the the carnival barker gives her some fucking cotton candy, and he's he's like, "Oh, you're gonna get that all over." Very annoyed fatherly style, and even Olivia's like, "Oh, go easy on him, Giles or Rupert or whatever." I'm like, "Thank you, Olivia." Jeez, like, when did he become such a dick? And then uh, Spike from the distance is like, "Hey, over here! Come on over here! You're going to miss everything." And he's in his crypt, and he goes in there, and the first thing we see. It only takes a couple of seconds, and then we never really see it again. But it's Olivia crying next to an overturned baby carriage. Yeah. And Giles' response to that is, oh, stop pushing me. You know I've got lots of things to do right now. Right? And I'm like, holy shit, we could dissect this for hours. Yeah. Just that little... Five second span. I mean, for fuck's sake, we could do that with this whole fucking episode. Like it hurts. We could make, we could make easily three episodes out of this one episode, <laughs> and just breaking it down each dream bit by bit. Just like okay, so fucking much. So he's got some daddy guilt about not spending enough time with his surrogate daughter. And not being sensitive enough to his girlfriend, whom we've only met in, like, two episodes. Yeah. I don't know. Lots of shit but going like, on there. Obviously, feelings of, like, inadequacy of not being able to be a proper boyfriend or, sp- like, possible spouse to her. Yeah. And, and feeling guilty about prioritizing work. But immediately that's derailed because Spike is in the scene. <laughs> and that's what Spike does. He's a derailer, definitely. He's like, haven't you figured it out yet? With your enormous squishy frontal lobes. Why the fuck is any moment from from this 
sequence, any moment the camera is on Spike and what's going on with him is black and white. I don't know. <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> Maybe that's what they wanted because dreams are confusing. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I have some bit on that later. But he was great um, at striking those poses. He really was. Those were good poses. They really were. And he's like, hey, as long as it's showbiz. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I guess Spike has good showmanship. Yeah. That makes I mean, we knew sense that. That he would be yeah. interested in in making a spectacle of himself, definitely. Yeah. That doesn't last long. Cheese man wears the cheese. It does not wear him. No. And that's important. It is. It's very important. It doesn't really get more important <laughs> than that. If there's one take home that you get today, it's that you wear the cheese. It the does cheese not, does not wear you. It does not wear you. That is correct. <laughs> Keanu Speed, Rex. Reeves, be with you. Whoa. Whoa. And you're what? Shocked and disappointed? I'm evil. You should know better. You should know better than attempt the fate the fates of the world. That was pathetic. You should know better. You should know better than attempt the fate the fates of the world. There's a lot more with that. A fantastic day. Birds singing. Squirrels making lots of rotten little squirrels. And then all of a sudden we're at the bronze. Duh, bronze. Oh my God, we haven't been here in so long. It's been a minute. So Xander and Willow are in research mode. Yeah, Xander's got this pesky sucking chest wound. Yeah, uh, and they're like trying to do research in the bronze when there's a fuck ton of people. And quote of the day. Do you mind? Go right ahead. Xander says, "Got the sucking chest wound swinging." I promised Anya I'd be there for her big night. Now I'll probably be pushing up daisies in the sense of being in the ground underneath them and fertilizing the soil with decomposition. I knew you were going to write that line <laughs> down, so I didn't. It's very good. It's excellent. But yeah, Anya's doing stand-up, and it is so great. <laughs> it's it's bad, but it's still hilarious. Yeah. Just because it's Anya. Yeah. Giles is like, I think she's doing quite well. <laughs> <laughs> Willow, always the downer, says, do you know this is your fault? I'm like, damn. Right down to business, Willow. Yep. Something, something, facts, something, something, focus. They briefly say that something is hunting them. Yeah. Something primal, some sort of animal force. <laughs> uh, Anya then explains the punchline of her joke, but everyone seems to love it. Something about a duck talking out of a person's butt. Yeah. It sounded like a funny punchline to me. I think it's, I think, and I'm reciting this purely from memory, so I'm probably wrong, but I think the joke she's actually telling is a guy walks into a doctor's office with a duck on his head, and the doctor says, oh, you have a duck on your head, and then the duck replies, no, I have a man on my ass. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, that's that's got to be it. At least it's close. It's close enough. Right. I'm pulling purely from memory. So close anyways. enough for horseshoes and or hand grenades. Yeah. You only need to get close with one of them. Exactly. And then we have a musical number. So in this moment, I believe Willow is only a reflection of Giles's inner monologue. Right. She's like, you know, this is your fault. And I think this is kind of what spurs the epiphany. Also, I know Giles definitely 
relates a lot to Willow. They're yeah. both intellectual types. He he has a lot of respect for her in that way. And so then he has this absolute most epic epiphany, impromptu ballad rock moment of rockin'ness. Yep. During which he basically realizes that the spell this is the what would normally be the where they figure it out scene right. of a normal episode. Because he realizes the spell released some kind of primal evil warrior beast and tells Willow to check the Chronicles for references. Oh, and Xander, try not to bleed on the couch. He's just <laughs> had it steam cleaned. Yeah. <laughs> just, again, this is I could just sing the whole song for you, but I'm not gonna. Just watch it because Anthony, Anthony Stewart Head's voice is so fucking good. And it really is. I consider myself a strong singer, and I cannot even begin to do the man justice. So he's got to warn Buffy, because she could be next. He stops singing suddenly and starts following the microphone cable backstage, Yep. where he finds that pocket watch that he was hypnotizing Buffy with yeah. at the beginning of his dream. And then the primal whatever that's hunting him scalps him. The warrior beast, as he referred to it during the song. Yeah. And Scalping sounds uncomfortable. It does. The blood looked a little too viscous for realism taste, but it's a dream. Yeah. So can't really knock anything for lack of realism. And then we go to Buffy's dream. Buffy's brain. Buffy is in her dorm. Anya beckons her to wake up from Willow's bed. I don't know why Anya's yeah. in Willow's bed, but it's a dream. Yeah. And... Buffy is slightly resistant. She's like, no, I need my beauty rest. And she rolls over and turns out that she wakes back up in her bedroom. At Joyce's house. At Joyce's house. At home, if you will. Then all of a sudden, she's not in bed and the bed's a mess. Faith and I just made that bed, she says. Yeah. Which is a reference to episode 15 of season four, This Year's Girl, where Faith comes out of her coma. Yeah. And Tara is standing there, and she says, for who? Buffy says, well, I thought you were here to tell me. So much foreshadowing. There's probably so much shit going on here that we're just completely missing. Right. It's disgusting. <laughs> and so Buffy wonders where her friends are. Tara's like, uh, well, you lost them. And Buffy's like, no, I think I, I think they need me to find them. The clock is wrong. Tara tries to give Buffy the Manus tarot card, which she declines because she says she'll never use it. And then we get one of the most transparent cryptic lines that we only know because we're all metagamers at this point, because we've all seen Buffy the Vampire yeah. Slayer at least once. So Tara says, you think you know what's to come, what you are. You haven't even begun. Which, first of all, I think that's interesting because everybody else, Willow Xander Giles, are all getting accused of... Not pretending. knowing what's going on. What? And pretending to be something they're not. Uh, pretending to be something they're not and not knowing what's going on. Even Spike was like, I'm surprised you haven't figured this out yet. Yeah. And Tara with Willow was constantly like, I'm surprised you don't know yet or you haven't figured this out yet. Yeah. Anyway. And then Buffy says, I think I need to go find the others. And Tara says, be back before dawn. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. I got fucking chills, man. <laughs> I got chills. It's like, if this were our first watch through of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, that would mean absolutely dick to us. But knowing that she's getting a little sister named Dawn next season, that 
is chill-worthy. Yeah. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch this episode like at least twice, I think. Right. I think to really be satisfied by it. But yeah, Buffy leaves to find the others and she ends up back at the school where Joyce is living in a wall. <laughs> <laughs> living in the wall. Like, it's fine. What's up with the symbolism there? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. She's so happy about I, it. I think maybe Buffy feels like Joyce is sacrificing so much of her life for her and feels guilty about maybe. it. Maybe. Yeah, I could see that. Because she has this impression that Joyce is like, oh, no, it's fine. And then you, she, you go be with your friends, honey. She's like in the wall and she laughs randomly. She's like, oh, the mice are tickling my knees. <laughs> yeah, playing with her <laughs> knees. Yeah, playing with her <laughs> knees. Which was extra weird. <laughs> but she sees Xander going up the stairs at school. She goes to follow him. And then... He was looking all shifty-like in that yeah. moment. And she ends up at the fucking initiative. Where Riley is sitting at a table across from the actor who played Adam. Whom I did not recognize at all at first. Right? He looks so skinny compared to Adam. It, like, yeah, Adam seemed so bulky. Yeah, they really bulked him up with that makeup. Yeah. I think they needed somebody skinny because they had to add so many layers with all of the right? latex. Yeah, probably. But yeah, apparently Riley has been promoted. He's now Surgeon General. Weird, but cool, I guess. Right? <laughs> and he's plotting world domination with sentient coffee makers. Yeah. Like you do. I mean, that'd probably do me in very easily. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> And I would be like, oh, it's a coffee maker. I would like some coffee, and then I'd be dead. And, and I would it Bam. It's gotcha. Yeah. I laughed. He laughed. The coffee maker laughed. I shot the coffee maker. It was... God damn it. What is that a reference from? <laughs> There's... Oh, it's, somebody... it's a meme that I saw. So I started carrying a gun because I'm scared that AI is becoming sentient. And my friend said, man, you're just paranoid. I laughed. He laughed. The toaster laughed. I shot the toaster. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was just a meme. There might have been more to it. Right. It feels like it's from something. Mm -hmm. Dig this. Dig this. Sorry, you had to wait. Fire beheading. Hurry up, sweet dreams. Sunlight. Hurry up, sweet dreams. And water. Usual. Oh, yeah. I hit him. With what? A desk. So human Adam does his last bit of waxing philosophical about aggression or some shit. And I did not realize how much they altered the actor's voice for the role. They must have. Because he doesn't sound anything like what I expected. Or look anything like right? what I expected. Hey, um, especially in the jawline. like They altered his jawline quite a bit more than I thought. I really only recognized him in his eyes and his yep. teeth. Yeah. That was it. But yeah, the weird part is she asks him, who were you before you were Adam? And he says, there's not a man among us who can remember. God, that's ominous. It's so good. God damn, that's ominous. I love it. But my favorite part of this scene, though, is the fucking alarm goes off. The demons have escaped. And Riley and Adam are like, time to build a pillow fort. <laughs> <laughs> This could get dangerous. We should build a fort. I'll go get pillows. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> and the computer voice, I think, was the best. <laughs> the demons have escaped. Please run for your lives. <laughs> 
But Buffy's like, oh, I have weapons. And she has her bag at her, at her feet, but it's filled with mud. Yeah. And she just starts caking that all over herself. And her face. Which is a throwback to a spot that we didn't talk about at the carnival with Giles. Because Buffy turns back to him after she gets the... The cotton the candy cotton all over, candy her, all over yeah. her face. She has and, mud on it. And they invert the image or something. It's like a inverted heat sensor image. It's called solarization, and it is the problem that was wrong with the TV that I fixed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Except they did it on purpose. Yes. And he's and Giles has this moment where he says, I recognize you. And so we're hearkening back to that now because yep. he's thinking of the first slayer yes whom he has apparently researched at some point in time and then she ends up in the desert and sees tara again i find it interesting that the first slayer chose tara specifically to speak through i think it was because tara is the newest among them and her personality is not as firmly ingrained she's the blankest slate yes yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking, too. They mm. don't know her as well. It makes good sense. Yeah. But also, like, we cast her, we should use her. <laughs> right? Yeah, it was a good opportunity to give Tara a little more screen time. Yeah. Definitely. But the first Slayer can't speak herself because she doesn't have language. She's prehistoric. Yeah. Super old, ancient. Yeah. But her message is clear. You are the Slayer. You are alone. We don't walk in this world. You don't get to have friends. Only the kill. Yeah. Bit harsh there. At which point, Cheese Man makes his point about cheese, which I completely agree with. Yeah. It's never a bad time for cheese. It really isn't. That's his point. God, I love cheese. (laughs) Goofy ass (laughs) grin. And this is just the last straw for Buffy. And they fight. Yeah. Her, her, rolling her, down a hill. Her and the first Slayer, not yeah. the Cheese Man. No, who would fight the Cheese Man? He has cheese. Thank you. I'd fight the Kool-Aid Man. Oh, God, no. <laughs> the way he busts through walls? No way. Oh, yeah. Like, he'd break he'd your just fists. treat you like a wall, man. Yeah. Best case scenario, you'd end up with shards of glass in your fists. Yeah. Yeah. And you'd be sticky from Kool-Aid. And that's no fun at all. No. So they're rolling down a hill. <laughs> Wrestling in the desert. Yeah, getting sand in all the uncomfortable places. Ew. <laughs> I rolled down a sand dune once when I was a kid. Uh-huh. I would I, I did it once. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> Never again. Oh god. <laughs> it is not it is not a happy memory. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. So Buffy wakes up on the floor at home. And the first Slayer jumps on her and gets all stabbity-stabbity. Yeah. And Buffy's got this look on her face <laughs> where if she is not bored from the penetration of that knife, I don't want to see what she's like having sex. <laughs> Definitely more of a more of a sensual type rather than the hardcore stuff, it turns out. Yeah, she's not having it. And she, <laughs> she looks up at the first Slayer and she's like, what? Like... You can't hurt me. This is a dream. Right? Which you, I really liked that ta- the take because we've seen so many times where Buffy has control of her dreams. Like, you can't fuck with Buffy in her dreamscape. Right. 
and like the first Slayer has nothing for it. Yeah, she's like, you're not my real mom. <laughs> my real mom lives in a wall. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Get back in your wall. <laughs> so... She's like, you are going to have to get over your primal self. Mm-mm. <laughs> you're not the source of me. And I'm going to ignore you and you're going to go away. And don't get me started on that hair. Yep. And then she wakes up. <laughs> and then she wakes up in the living room. And they all wake up. Everyone's fine. For realsies, they all wake up this time. Yeah. It seems like. God, I fucking hate. I hate any depictions of waking up in a, into a dream, man. Oh, I, I think about that every time. Oh, I fucking hate it. I don't know if you've told that story on the podcast before. I don't know if I have. You want to make it quick? Yeah, I can make it quick. So in my early 20s, I did a lot of experimentation with lucid dreaming. Mm-hmm. And you can get some pretty wild shit going with lucid dreaming, but I pretty much stopped my experimentation when one day I got home from work and I went to sleep. And in my sleep, I went lucid without planning on it. And I this is this is the reason why the movie Inception hits so hard for me. Mm-hmm. Is I I realized I was dreaming and it startled me and I woke up. And then I realized I was dreaming and it startled me and I woke up. And this happened 16 fucking times. Till finally, when I finally woke up, I couldn't remember what the fuck I had been doing when I went to sleep. I couldn't remember where the fuck I was. I had no idea what day it was. I was completely fucking lost. It took me over an hour to get my bearings about what the fuck was going on with my life. Yeah, no thanks. I fucking hate any depiction of waking up into a dream. It is awful, and it just chills me to the fucking bone. Which Buffy did like six times in this particular dream. Yes! I I mean, I've had that Inception style waking up several times in a dream before, but never 16 times. Yeah, I... Oh, God, Yikes, I I still so strongly, vividly remember the actual fucking dreams and everything. Yeah. It... No. No. No, thanks. But, hey, I mean, at least you were able to, you know, get control of it. And yeah. That's, that's something I'm learning is the, the human mind is a lot more resilient than we give it credit yes. for sometimes. Yes, it is. Yes, it's time to listen. The good guys are always stalwart and true. The bad guys are easily distinguished by their pointy horns or black hats. We always defeat them and save the day. No one ever dies and... So yeah, they're all awake and they're they're sitting around the table talking about what's going on. Giles explains that they woke up something primal and that it didn't like what they did. Specifically, he says, somehow our joining with Buffy and invoking the essence of the Slayer's power was an affront to the source of that power. And she says, you know, you could have brought that up to us before we did it. <laughs> Well, I did say that there could be dire consequences. Yes, but you say that about chewing too fast. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So Joyce comes in and she's like, wow, it sounds like you guys had some some kind of adventure. Like, yeah, we almost got killed in our sleep by the first Slayer or something. (laughs) She's like, oh, do you want some hot cocoa? (laughs) (laughs) She's like, Xander? And he goes, yes, Joyce. I mean, Buffy's mom. (laughs) 
<laughs> like you do when you see somebody immediately after having an inappropriate sex dream about them. I don't know what to call you or how to act around you at all. Oh, God. <laughs> and, uh, and the closing line is gold. Buffy says, well... At least you guys didn't dream about that guy with the cheese. I don't know where the hell that came from. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh, the cheese. So I looked it up. Oh, fuck. What did you look up? Where did the cheese guy come from? <laughs> and I shit you not. Didn't River Crystal Sam tell us something about a cheese man? No, she just said you got to respect the cheese. The no, mo- there was motherfucking cheese or something like that. Recently, but in a different voicemail on a different I episode, remember. I think she's let us know, River yeah, Crystal Sam. If you did. I seem to recall you saying something about a cheese man. No, so I I looked it up and in the, the behind the scenes notes for this episode, Joss Whedon literally wrote the cheese man into the script solely because dreams are often absurd. Yeah. And he just wanted to add some absurdity. He needed one thing that... Just one absurdity. made no sense on purpose. And he found it joyously hilarious that so many fans went <laughs> apeshit about the cheese man, about what does it mean? Of course they did. That's excellent. Oh, it warms my heart. So we get a wonderfully hilarious and joyous ending followed immediately by a heavy, ominous ending where Buffy stops to look at her room with the bed from the dream that was messy, but there's no blankets on it now. And we hear Tara's words from the dream ring in her ears where Tara says, you think you know what's to come, what you are. You haven't even begun. And Buffy slowly walks away. We have a lot to unpack here, my friend. Oh, Jesus. We have three more seasons? Yeah. Five, six, seven? Yeah, yeah. three more seasons. Plus five seasons of Angel. Anyway, Gur Arg. Gur fucking Arg. Is this for me? I must be ready. I need my strength, strength. Give, give, give me more. Nice. I shall walk Hold on. You've got something here. How did you feel about this episode, Rex? I liked this episode. However, I don't know how I feel about it being the fucking season finale. I really enjoyed how they handled clearly climaxing at the end of the second to last episode. Yeah. I thought it was a brilliant falling action episode for the hero's journey. I will say this. It is one outrageously ballsy move Mm -hmm. to say, we're going to put our climax of the season in episode 21. And then for, for episode 22, we're literally just going to pack it full of all the foreshadowing. And weird, absurd shit. Yeah. That most people are definitely not going to absorb in a single watch God, through. no. And this was in the day before you had the option to go back and rewatch it right away. Yeah. If you were fortunate enough to have taped it. Yeah. Then maybe you could 
figure some shit out. Otherwise, you had to wait for Netflix to be invented. I don't normally take... Or for it to come out on DVD. Right. Which seems like it took just as long, Or frankly. VHS. Yeah. Because <laughs> VHS was still a thing then. Kind of, sort of. I mean, this finished up in the early 2000s where I think DVDs had pretty firmly taken over. But anyway, so the episode's 45 minutes. It usually takes me about an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes to watch the episode. Yeah. Uh, you know, with pausing and taking notes and everything. This was two and a half hours for me. Yikes. Because I had to keep rewatching bits. Because oh, there's yeah. just so fucking much going on. It took me all day, dude. I started at like two o'clock and I didn't finish until 8.30. It's fucking nuts. Uh-huh. It's nuts. There's so much material in this episode. I mean, we're at... We're at two hours of record time right now, and it, like I could, I feel like I could still be talking about this for an hour. Yeah, I don't want to, but I feel like it. <laughs> yeah, no, we definitely, definitely not. Okay, the, <laughs> the fi- final verdict. I liked this episode. I have a lot of complex feelings about this episode, but ultimately, I think I liked it. Ditto. I'm right there with you, and I definitely enjoyed it a lot more than I remembered enjoying it. Yes. Yes. When going into this and I'm like, oh, it's this fucking dream episode where literally the entire episode just takes place in a dream. Yeah, this weird ass episode. I was like, oh, God, this is going to be fucking annoying. And it there's just I think before this, I was never as deeply invested in the nuance of the story as this episode requires you to be. It does. Yeah that <laughs> i i could i don't think i ever could have remotely appreciated this episode before this watching of it you have to be a super fan and yeah this podcast is doing that to me it is making me a super fan like when you yeah. pitched this idea to me i was like yeah i love that show but i was not a super fan no same and it, it was all about this is a show we both enjoy Let's do this. Yeah, and something that a lot of other people probably enjoyed also. Yeah. And, you know, we've only really figured out how deep and loyal the fan base is for Buffy since we started this podcast, much to our delight. Yeah. So what's your quote of the day, Rex? I'm going to go the purely absurdist route and just say, a watcher scoffs at gravity. Excellent. (laughs) That was a good one. It it works solely on Anthony Stewart Head's inflection of just like this is a truism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he he definitely sounds like he believes it. Yes. And that's the sign of a good actor. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So what's your quote of the day? All right. I'm I have to give an honorable mention. Ooh, an honorable mention comes up. During Giles' song, he says damn it i don't remember the melody to this he says and try not to bleed on my couch i've just had it steam cleaned (laughs) (laughs) i love the absurdity that it is his couch at the bronze bronze. yeah but it's a dream yeah so it it goes (laughs) that is how it do yes Oh, man, that was a Zay Frank line. Yes. <laughs> but my real quote of the day, I can't decide if it's going to Snyder or Xander proper here, 
So I'm just going to read Snyder the and... interaction. I'm just going to read the Snyder-Zander interaction. A bunch of you were sitting there waiting to be <laughs> shepherded. I remembered it smelled like dead flowers, like decay. Then it hit me. The hope of our nation's future is a bunch of mulch. Xander responds, You know, I never got the chance to tell you how glad I was you were eaten by a snake. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good line. <laughs> I can't decide which one I like better. I can't tell you how fucking giddy I felt in that moment when Snyder was back. I mean, I <laughs> caught it at the beginning in the credits that Oz and Snyder were both going to be in this episode, so I wasn't surprised. I didn't catch it at all. Yeah, I, I, I'm i so sad that I didn't get that moment of surprise. Yeah, gotta skip the credits, man. I can't. Well, it was during the episode. Oh, yeah. It was the overlay credits. Oh, see, I have the fucking uh, subtitles on, oh. so I don't see those. So they were you were reading the subtitles instead of yeah. the credits. I I only turn the subtitles on if I can't understand something they're saying. Yeah, I usually have them just running because it helps with the note taking. Gotcha. Well, ladies and gentlemen. This has been yet another episode of Beer with Buffy. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, review us on iTunes, and we'll read it out loud on the air. I promise. You can always check out some of our merchandise over at store.beerwithbuffy.com. If you want to support us financially without buying some of our merchandise, you can go to patreon.beerwithbuffy.com. You can always email us at beerwithbuffy at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. You can always call us and leave us a voicemail at 269-743-0783. Huge thanks to our composer, J.J. Treadway. This has been Beer with Buffy. I'm Josh. I'm Rex. Have a good night. Oh, Odo. (laughs) I missed you so much, Odo. done why are we watching this